0: Hey, it's Rob. And Shelby. And we're here with Raj Salhuchar, who's running for at-large position one.
1: So Raj, I have to say, if you're tuning in just from the audio, Raj was taking notes during this conversation. Yeah. I mean, he is so willing to learn from the people that are really out there, whether it's us or other. I mean, we keep, people keep looking at us going, oh, you're the animal experts. And we're going, no, we're just, we're the ones talking to you, but we've got hundred other people that are as good of resources, if not better than we are. So we didn't
0: listen to everything that we had to say and everything that everyone else does too. So we hope that you enjoy this uh, conversation as much as we did.
1: Yeah. Raj was great. I've got to be honest. We did not want it to end. So we hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much.
0: Hi everyone. We're here with Raj running for at large uh, position one. Just having an open discussion on animal welfare. First off, Raj, thank you so much for coming with us tonight, late at night.
2: (laughs) No, thanks for giving me an opportunity uh, to be here. I'm excited uh, for the conversation.
0: Yeah, good. So, to start off, do you have any rescue pets?
2: Um, I do. So, uh, my family, so I don't live with my parents um, now, but um, when we did, and my parents still have, uh, we've had two dogs, both of whom were rescues, um, and that's something that, you know, when my sister, who is definitely, was, is uh, the animal lover in the house and i i became one quite frankly i used to be afraid i'll be honest i used to be afraid of both dogs and cats that is now going away um it has gone away um but in all seriousness um she brought it up and and one of the things that was was important to our family is let's get a rescue pet because we want to do our part uh and so yeah i'm happy to say that we uh we do where are they from um one is from the spca um and the second one is um uh, an Instagram account she followed, which sort of would put up the dogs they need yeah. rescuing, and so she she found it on there. I Good. love that. Yeah, yeah. Pretty we much love like social a... media to get. That's it right. In That's the key. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's been the
0: biggest uh, platform we have. You know. Agreed. Helping everybody out.
2: And I think it's it's it's, it's traditionally an underutilized
0: yeah. Platform. Oh yeah. Especially now, I mean, uh, a lot of the council members, you know, aren't. Uh, I feel like using it. Yeah. are tech savvy yeah. so much.
2: Yeah, well, well, I'll say you know I'm 28, so I'm gonna be all in on social media. We we'll tried to do that on the campaign. We'll continue to do that once in office.
0: Good, good. Could so, you... what's your background with animal welfare? Do you know? Do you feel like you know a lot? I mean, you answered great uh, with the Houston Petset questions. Yeah.
1: So let's just stop and we'll. <laughs> If you want to go look up his answers, he gave great answers and is in very much support. And you gave knowledgeable answers. You didn't just say, yes, I'm in support of mandatory microchipping. You really put some thought into why you would or wouldn't be in favor of everything.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. We've tried to really kind of think through the issue. And, you know, I don't have a huge background in this, I'll be honest. Um, But I do think that one of the things that I've learned kind of on the campaign is... I don't have to have all the answers. I just have to know whom to ask. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've been sort of like lucky enough to kind of talk to people who are kind of worked with this issue. And now you know being on here with y'all, I'm excited to learn more, um, and see the platform that an at large member has. You know, citywide to address. Because I mean, I think one of the things I've learned is that there's 750,000 to a million somewhere in there Mm -hmm. number of um, animals. And so we got to do what we can to you know be supportive. And I think I don't view it as a district issue. I view it as a citywide issue.
0: Yeah. I think one of the things we need to mention is that an at-large position, anyone can vote for It's not like your district, Mm -hmm. and you don't have funding for an at-large position like a district does.
2: No. So the district uh, council members have a $750,000 district service fund that they can spend however they want in their district. Um, We don't have that. So I I think that makes it incumbent upon us to do two things. One, support uh, district council members where we can. both in terms of showing up at events and things of that nature, but also more importantly in terms of specific projects mm. um, but also to remember that I viewed the city as a three legged stool with government nonprofit and business mm. and how do we get the philanthropic community the private sector involved the nonprofits that are doing this work involved um, so that it's not just all city city city
0: yeah yeah I mean the you couldn't ask for better people to volunteer the time who are already doing it. You know what I mean? Right.
2: Yeah. And I think, like, I think one of the things, and this is a different context, but it sort of illustrates the point is after Hurricane Harvey, we saw Houstonians jump in to serve their yeah. fellow Houstonians in any way, shape, or form. And I think there's that same level of commitment vis-a-vis stray dogs, animals in general, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an area where we should tap into that civic spirit and that desire to help and serve.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, since you brought it up right now with the hurricane, uh, we recently went through hurricane, I mean, hurricane, tropical yeah. storm of Meloda, right? Right. And one of the things we're finding is that there's not a database or a list of the shelters that take in, emergency shelters that take in animals.
1: So, like, if you say you evacuate, mm-hmm. I currently have my two dogs plus three fosters. Okay. If my home were to flood and I didn't have any family or friends to go to, yep. I would not be able to find on the city or the county website or anywhere. We couldn't find it anywhere. Um Where I would be able to go with my animals in an emergency situation. And it's interesting because there's a federal law that passed whenever Katrina hit Mm -hmm. Louisiana that Mm -hmm. said, uh, what is it, FEMA has to Mm -hmm. um, make it to where local places, um, it's a very vague law. And it doesn't really... Surprise. Yeah. Big surprise, right? We did something. Look at us. Here's our new law. Um, But another thing we found interesting is it's very vague Mm -hmm. but there's a piece missing and the piece is um the actual pickup of animals so let's say that someone's home floods and they're getting out um by evacuation in a boat with like uh, and we're not talking about like private groups that are evacuating we're talking about actual like firefighters and public Mm -hmm. they're not allowed to evacuate with their animals they're told they have Ah, to leave their pet so these laws are great When we get to the shelter and they say, okay, there's certain shelters that are going to have to make resources for people with pets. There's not a list, but those things seem to have formed. Like whenever we had um, Hurricane Harvey, they opened up one of the major shelters for animals. But we just found it interesting that there's this whole gap of, well, what about the pickup portion? What do you think about that and how do we make it to where um, it's not oh, we're, this person that's a hoarder that has 10 dogs is making it for people are not being evacuated.
2: Well, I think, think it's a couple of things. So I think it's one, we need to have the database and like yesterday. yeah. And it's
1: this, Surprising we don't. Yeah. It,
2: it is. And I think what's sad is this will cost the city like no money.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
2: We could get a college kid from any of the universities to make this in an hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that person could design it so that there were live updates on like how many spaces are left. Like wow. we could do that. And that's, that's right. easy yeah. to do.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so we should do that, number one. Number two is, um, you know, I remember post-Harvey, I was at um, NRG mm-hmm. working, and uh, Baker Ripley was managing that. And they had a um, – they they allowed folks to bring their animals in. And, and, yeah. and, and, and that made it all the easier transition for folks. Because post a disaster, it's a traumatic time.
1: Yeah. And all you want is your family. Correct.
2: Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think, yes, we have to make sure that we have more – sort of personnel mm-hmm. on the ground who can do the rescue so we not have that trade-off of humans or animals because we want both yeah. it's a both and situation um and then number three i think it's saying that we're going to prioritize ensuring post-hurricane that the entire family can go together mm-hmm. you know we yeah. can't separate and so i think we said to make it a priority yeah. Yeah, and i want to say that
0: there's only two shelters uh during the storm that were in taken in yeah Taking in animals. I mean, in a city, you know, there's there's a lot of flooding. Right. A lot of houses were affected. So then that goes back to people following reports, on uh, cruelty reports on people who left their dogs chained up. Mm. So it's just...
1: Well, it was funny because there's, in Florida, there's laws that say if you are if you abandon your animal, yep. that's against... In, in a natural disaster, if you leave your animal behind, it's against the law. Okay. And it's like, in Houston, we're, like, forcing... We're you. pushing people yeah. to do that. Yeah. 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 It just, that... Difference we go. Yeah, and it,
2: it, it just doesn't make sense why we're not investing the resources in this. Um, because if you did a poll of Houstonians and you just asked them, you have you could have two worldviews. Worldview mm-hmm. one, people must leave their animals after disaster. Mm-hmm. And worldview two, people are allowed to take their animals after disaster. Mm-hmm. 90% of Houstonians are in worldview two. Oh, yeah. And we, as... As elected officials and policymakers, our job is to respond to what the folks want. Like it's not to impose our will.
1: Yeah.
2: And so it's 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 sad and it's short sighted and it's morally wrong Mm -hmm. to not have the policy of let's design a city where we have the shelter space and we have the capability to allow folks to go uh, in a situation with with their pets and animals.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's it's great. Go ahead. What about let's talk about microchipping? You said you would be in favor of potentially base uh, see what the um, outline of it looked like, but you said you would be in favor of mandatory microchipping if it was resources were available to the people for that the low-income
2: did. folks. I think that was yeah. the, that, that was my only hesitation, but absolutely. I mean, I think this seems like a natural thing, like makes sense, and will sort of like help us tracking. Um, I was initially yeah. concerned about the pain for the animal, but then I did the research. Uh, and if There isn't it, any, and I did not know that, and so yeah. I did the research. and said, hey, that's. Not the case, so I'm on board with it. Yeah, a lot of people don't um, know. And I think other cities in Texas have done this, if I'm not mistaken. Austin San Antonio. has. Okay, mm-hmm. it was Austin. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, again, another situation where, I just step back a second, um, there are other cities, I'm sure, across the country, I've not researched as much as so you guys have, that are doing innovative stuff yeah. with regard to animals. This is a broader point with regard to any issue. And rather than us having to reinvent the wheel, yeah. let's look and learn. Yeah. and then bring those best practices here. And so, yeah, I'm 100% on board with that. Oh, I love hearing that.
0: I mean, that's what most people have been saying so far, so that's great. What with
1: microchipping, though, we talked about like how that will help on the cruelty end of it. Like, let's say, you know, most of the time these animals are found, and there's no way to figure out who owned this animal. Right. And, you know, the animal is whatever mm-hmm. terrible thing has happened to it. That would help not just on, oh, let's get the animal back to who owns it, but if it's a cruelty Let's situation. enforce yeah.
2: the ordinance yeah. that we have on the books. Definitely. And what is the – and just this is sort of me trying to learn more. What is the typical scenario in the cruelty case? Like how does it usually mm. – how so, does it – Well,
0: probably – so we have a Harris County Animal Cruelty Task Force. Right? right, yeah, yeah, right. And I think the biggest part is that people don't know how to even file a report. So yeah. there's a website, and then there's a number. So 927paws.org, people can file a report. Say that again? Uh, 927paws.org. yeah. People can file a report, and you can – if you want to keep it anonymous, you can't change your name. But – That doesn't get out you know and I think that's one of the biggest reasons people don't because they think that they'll get in trouble or maybe someone will report them but no this is a completely private organization that does it and you'll receive a a case number yep and then one of our officers will respond and again we work with uh the Houston Humane Society and different entities yep and at no cost to the city it's been great that these organizations have been able
2: to work together to do this yeah, and I think this gets back to the education point, because I feel yeah. like most people don't know about this. Yeah. Exactly. Um, people
1: are calling, like, the sheriff's office or, right. you know, something else that... It, it, and it's yeah. not to say that you shouldn't call local law enforcement, but right. you're, with that, um, it, it also helps for the numbers mm-hmm. if, when they're trying to get more funding for things like that. Right.
2: Because yeah. we want a database where we can know how many calls came in, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, since they started uh,
0: two years ago, it's been 200%... A year ago, sorry. 200% increase in charges
2: filed. Wow. And then do, do you know um like I'm imagining I could imagine a Houstonian dialing 311 not knowing no. does do those calls get routed or how does that they don't Mm-mm. so that seems like an area and of improvement And they don't even
1: tell
0: them who to um, call Yeah right Have you ever called 311?
2: I have and it's how? you know it's a long process you're not you're not sure if you're going to get to someone or not Yeah and then if you get a case number you're not sure when it gets it's I mean I've had folks on a campaign that tell me that they put in they get a ticket number, it gets closed, and they did not even know yeah. it was addressed. Folks weren't told about it. And I think that's a core issue that I keep hearing is constituent service. Mm-hmm. People yeah. just want responsiveness. And so it seems to me on on, on this issue, if someone calls through one one want to report something, we're not the right place to take it. Fine. That's yeah. okay. But let people know, or transfer them, or
0: yeah, or talk to somebody. I mean, or talk to somebody. I'm, <laughs> I'm guilty. I, I've never followed through with a three one one call. So every time I call, I would never get to
2: talk to. You're, them, that that's at true. All, you know? I, yeah, yeah. I, I think there are a lot of us who are who I are did? in that boat.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, but I mean, even if people like, I feel like it's okay if the city says they can't do something about an issue. Yes. But tell the give a just getting I, a response helps. It agreed. Does, you know. Agreed.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think I think the other thing is. We want to be, as elected officials, folks who are ultimately our job is responding to Houstonians. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody calls us about an issue, we need to be there with the answer. And if we don't know the answer, we say, fine, let's give us an hour or a day and we'll figure it out and we'll get back to you. That's ultimately the role. Exactly. I mean, one of the things people
0: don't even know is that, say there's an animal, and we've had this before, so say, uh, I mean, it's terrible, terrible to bring up. Uh, uh, Animal in a cage that says somebody left, drowned, people think that the cruelty task force is supposed to pick that up. That's not the case. Once it's a dead animal, it's the waste disposal that's supposed to pick it up. Mm-hmm. So it's just that miscommunication that people don't even know. They get frustrated. I at didn't the wrong... even know that. I didn't know that, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah so it's just miscommunication.
2: Yeah, and I wonder if it's also like, you know, for example, I'm just imagining here, like once in office, let's say we were to hold a town hall on animal issues. Mm-hmm. I think that would be highly attended yes you could do in person and facebook live and we could just disseminate a lot of this information to folks yeah and i could imagine you know young people getting excited about this high Mm -hmm. school and college kids is a way to bring them into the process i could imagine folks like you all who are on the ground day to day doing this i could imagine just the general houstonian who's just has a dog or a cat and just cares about animal issues because I, i i do think that when you talk to people about their pets and their kids, their faces light up in so a way passion. that no other issue, yeah. right? No other yeah. issue yeah. gets folks no as one's excited. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> right. It's like my kids and my pets. Yeah. Like yeah, those exactly. are the two, and I and I think it's a missed opportunity to not engage people because I do think that one of the problems we have is like we have a twenty five percent turnout rate for city that is races, crazy. which yeah. is not good. Ugh. But I think there are people who are on the sidelines. For whom this issue will bring them into mm-hmm. this is the only voting issue, right? Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think that's something that I'll commit to is like doing a town hall just on animal animal issues to sort of get information out and also like hear ideas. I'd love for you guys to so yeah. let me let me touch on
1: this. <laughs> yeah. Just, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Well, no. So I just posted a video last night that was recorded almost three years ago to the date, and it was a um, summit between the county and the city. Okay. So the director of Bark is there. Okay. Mayor Turner's there. Yep. Ed Emmett, who was the judge at the time. And right. then Dr. White, the shelter director at Harris County Animal Kay. Shelter. And it was – now, keep in mind, this animal summit was called after my mom and I spoke at county commissioner's court, and Ed Emmett gets to the end of my mom and I going, we got to get all this information <laughs> out in three minutes, and um, goes, you know what, I bet there's a lot of people that want to, you know, voice their opinions on this. We need to have an animal summit. Okay. So we do this. About 100 animal advocates come out. Everybody ah. gets up, everybody says their piece,
2: okay.
1: everybody leaves, nothing changes. No follow-through, yeah. Nothing changes. And I mean, and I think it's really great, and we've talked about this with a couple of different candidates, is if we can, and, and you know, there's areas that like each different person in rescue is really good at. Like, I know nothing about the third ward or fifth ward. I can. Okay. I, I know what I've seen um, by talking to other people, but I know very little. And I feel like there's a core group of people in different areas, like Mary mm-hmm. Tipton with um, the Empty Shelter Project that is really great about spay and neuter and how we get that out effectively.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, and she does these huge days where it, there's 500 animals that are spayed and neutered and microchipped all in one day, and they do wow. it at no cost to the people.
0: Every two months.
1: Every two months, wow. and they do it in different districts. $40,000. Who
2: who sort of... Is it just like... like Canine angels? angels Rescue. Okay.
1: And they are... You've got to come with us to the next one. It yeah. is. Yes,
2: I'll be there.
1: You walk in the door and you go... This is the solution to animal problems in Houston. But so, we this animal summit was great in theory, but it really just turned into a bunch of people just getting up and ranting, which is not a solution. We need these core people that know, and it may not even be us, there's other people (laughs) that are no, but I mean, truly, like people you know that we've sat down with, you know, keep looking at Rob and I and go, We got to have you. I want to know what I know and yep. know what I don't know. Sure. You know, and sure. there are some people that we've got to get involved with But it needs to be a roundtable discussion where we get everybody together and we talk about it. It doesn't need to be a let's all get up and rant. Cause it's certainly
2: not a photo op. It's not just a photo exactly. op. Exactly. That's the whole piece. that's, yeah. all, that's that, I think that's what I'm hearing. And so yeah. we
1: get all these people together. You talk about it. And then there needs to be exactly what you're talking about of let's get out and get the information out to yeah. people. But the Animal Summit, it was... I mean, it was good in that you got to hear a lot of different perspectives, but nothing came of it because it was so jumbled. And you yep. need to have people in a round table discussion mm-hmm. that sit down and we go, let's throw around ideas. Let's really grind in and, yep. you know. Or
0: even just a selected
2: topic for the meeting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, is there a reason why we haven't done microchipping, for example, in Houston? Like, do we know? Like, why don't we just have an ordinance? A lot
1: of people say that it is a violation of, um, so animals in Texas are viewed as property. Okay. Legally, oh, by the state no. law.
2: Yep. Non-law stuff. So, right. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Right. Right. So making a microchipping law could be something that we have to go to the state level to get the ability to do because it's telling people what to do with their property. Right. And a good chunk but of Austin people. But Austin just did it somehow. And
2: they're just waiting. Well,
1: and yeah. yeah. You know, it's the, the thing is, is that like. We've noticed with these, pro- these things, like the empty shelter project is, yep. if you give people the ability to yep. do the right thing, they will yep. do the right thing a good amount of time. And yep. we want to talk about all these things as being mandatory, but I think the step before going to making spay and neuter mandatory and making microchipping mandatory is getting it just to the people that want to do the right things but don't have the resources. It's
0: just making it available to them. Yep.
1: Because we had, so in District I, there was people at four o'clock in the morning just recently Big lined issue. up to get a free spay and neuter voucher. Four o'clock in the morning. They wanted to do the right thing, and this is one of the most underserved areas. Yep. And you know, we, we see all these is people this through like
2: barrio dogs or barrio Yeah, dogs. Oh, barrio okay. dogs, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: where okay. people don't even have the form of transportation. They can't get. Just so like you got to get there, you know.
1: Yeah. So I think the step before I am so for mandatory microchipping because it's so effective. So cheap. It's so
0: or cheap. So cheap, right?
1: It's so cheap, and it's painless to the dog, really. And I mean, there's there's no repercussions of it. But I think before we go to that. Let's get it to the people that want to do the right thing. Right. You know, I think that's the first step.
2: So what you're saying is if if we told people you can come to this location for free spaying and neutering, people would show up. I mean,
0: every time. They are
1: full every single
0: time. Last time, 503 animals or 512 animals Mm -hmm. in a day.
1: One day, all spayed and neutered. And at no cost to the city, at no cost to the citizens. But here's the thing is, BARC has these different programs that they do that are run through BARC. Nonprofit groups are better with spending the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the city, if the city really wants to get ahead of this, they either need to go to these people that are running these really efficient, effective days and figure out how to do it. But or just, just
2: pass through as a grant.
1: Exactly. That's Which would right. be super effective because K9 yeah. Angels has done it all with money that they've raised and everything. Right.
2: Yeah, And I think, I mean, again, you know, we do that on affordable housing.
1: Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. We
2: pass through money from the federal government to nonprofit developers. We do it on food deserts. We didn't mm-hmm. build a new grocery store in Sunnyside. We passed through some federal grant money yeah. to build a Pie Burns or an HEV. And so it would just seem logical that you would do the same, same thing with animal here. here. Yeah. It would be great to even get more uh, input from the nonprofit
0: organizations right. into the city shelter right. who are out there already. Yeah, yeah. No, so right now they're not allowed to do much. Right. Yeah,
1: there's so many. It's like you go into Bark, and it, it was sad because there was – there was a recent instance where there's this uh, big gap in numbers, and the person that found this big gap, well, she requested the original Freedom of Information okay. request, and she goes, I can't say anything about this because I am a medical foster for BARC, and they will kick me out if I say anything, which, excuse my language, but that's BS. Yeah. I mean, that's that's
0: the,
1: you're yeah. you you you're standing up for the animals and doing the right thing, and then you're right. not going to be allowed to help the animals that didn't. Right. That doesn't compute. So I I feel like that's a big bark management being open to really letting people that care come in and question where things need to be questioned. Right. You know. Uh.
2: And so yeah, I mean, I I really like the idea of initially just an incentive before you mandate. Just Mm -hmm. let the folks who are excited and and willing to do it. Yeah. That that makes sense. That seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. Right. I mean, they did it with the zoo. Right. So.
1: Well, one one thing though is I do that I do think should be mandated is not spay neuter and microchipping from the beginning, but if we're talking about um, breeder laws, so in the state of Texas, in order to have to register with the state as a breeder, you have okay. to have a minimum of eleven unaltered animals,
2: okay,
1: and you have to have a sale number over a certain amount. So where the disconnect is is most of these sales are done cash, so someone goes and buys a purebred puppy from a backyard breeder and they pay cash, okay, so but the state Goes in and says, okay, you have to have this number of sales to have to be registered. They just, they, oh, we only sold there's three no puppies. It, you know? There's no way to prove it if it's on the internet And if it's
2: registered, then there's these like, regulations that you have to follow. Exactly. They have to have and them, that you have to pay. Got it. They yeah. have to
1: have a higher standard of care. They're subject to inspection. They're, you know, all these different things. But what we're seeing is, so, for instance, how do you say it, Wabash? wabash fair wabash so. feed in in yeah. the heights right now is selling um breeders that are it's a puppy mill situation the owner of this mm. place has who knows how many dogs but there's been people that have gotten dogs from this man that could no longer um he they weren't picking they weren't making any more puppies so somebody goes and gets the puppies and these dogs are completely feral and in terrible condition like, they can't even be touched because that's how little human contact they've had. Yeah. But he's making thousands of dollars on all of these puppies that he's selling in his feed store. He's making $1,000 per puppy, and then he's selling $5 plants. What do you think he's really...
2: Wow. Like, what do you
0: think the of the parents are, you know?
1: Yeah. So we, and
0: he's not registered. <laughs>
1: He's not registered, and he doesn 't have to be because it 's based on sales, and most of those are done okay. in cash and then the the place where he 's breeding them is not in the city of Houston and it's I mean it, oh boy. and there 's all these is big it, disconnects yeah. so but here 's our solution with that is if there 's a ban on backyard breeder and um, puppy mill kind of situations yep. to where they just can 't sell in the city of Houston that it, that's the and that's been studied. That just yes. yeah. can be you know you're talking about what don't yeah. reinvent the wheel. Right.
2: Other cities are doing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
1: and it's been done effectively. So
2: this would say that in my backyard I can't breed and sell. hmm
1: Without
2: having a license. Without having the license. Right.
1: Where you're subject to inspection. And I yeah, the thing sense. is is having yeah, to register you're now then making money for the city to help cover some of these costs. Right. Mm-hmm. If you have to be registered as a breeder. It's right. More money for the city.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I think that I mean again it's it's we wanna make sure this is happening in the most healthy, safe way Mm -hmm. for Houstonians. And so this seems like another law that would make sense. No brainer. No brainer. And and I'm sure the hesitation is extra regulation, people don't want this. Mm -hmm. But I think again, the idea that, again, it has to be framed as, this is what is best for the animals Mm -hmm. and the Houstonians. Right. And again, if you, and, and I think the trade off is, I assume that the cost will go up slightly in order to buy a pet because now you have to register and there's going to be fees and so on but mm-hmm. we have to be okay with that. Yeah. Because the benefit is going to outweigh that. So yes, or people will adopt. Or people adopt, which is the if which, don't which don't is what we want exactly. <laughs> adopt. Exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah.
1: some people have answered in the pet set survey. They did answer no and they said the reason why they said no to banning um, sales of puppies in these situations is right. they said well, what if it's a responsible breeder? And I've got two responses to that. One, in a city with this many people, this many animals being euthanized, there's not such a thing as responsible breeders. But let's just say that I'm I'm pro breeder, right? <laughs> to be in this, I know it's ridiculous. It's hard yeah. for me to even say, but you want to see the parents. That is how you know a breeder is a reputable breeder is when you can see the mom and the dad, and you see they're well taken care of, and you can see the condition from like this is where they're born. This yep. is. If you don't see the mom and dad, which is every single retail location, there's no way to see the mom and the dad. It's not that we're saying, oh, purebreds should not exist. We're saying you're not by making it to where you can't sell in retail locations these puppies. It's still not affecting the good breeders. Right. The good breeders.
2: And and presumably the good ones would be happy to register. Exactly. And get rid of the ones that aren't good. Exactly. Because exactly. you would want to only have demand. the ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so. The quote quote, good ones are probably the ones who are already registered yep. and who are on board with something like this mm-hmm. and yeah.
1: compliant with right
2: and comp- right and yep. doing the right thing as per the laws in Austin or in, in uh, state legislature. Right. Yeah, I mean, speaking of state legislature, it's
0: like a lot of no-brainer type things. So I don't know if you've heard about the SB two ninety-five. Yes. So I feel like that's something we can pass at a city level. The sort of the
2: sort of specific aspects of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, and it's
1: so basic, though. It's basic shelter.
2: Right. And clean the chain, water. Yep.
1: Chain length. And then the biggest part, and mm-hmm. we've, sorry, we're beating a dead horse here and I don't have a better frame of reference, even though we're on an animal. Right. You know, <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> That's a good point. But um, I mean, the biggest thing is the 24 hour waiting period. So yes. they go out, you know, 24 hour waiting period before they can even, and then it resets. So then they it reset.
2: Back, yeah. Which, yeah.
1: It's ineffective. It's you might as well not even have that law.
2: And yes, we can do it. Yes, it's ineffective, and it should have been done in Austin. And and again, let me just point this out. This is an opportunity where, yes, we should do it in Houston. But then our legis our city council members should be in Austin mm-hmm. advocating for this. So yeah. I don't know. Way. I'm guessing the answer is certainly not the guy I'm running against. But probably not many of the council members were up there testifying mm. about this. Yeah, yeah. and. I think particularly as an at-large member, that's our responsibility.
1: That's a great point. To advocate no, for yeah. the whole
2: city, um, whether it's at the city yeah. or at the county or at the state or at the federal government. Um, and so if we don't take that opportunity, we don't sort of follow through on that responsibility or that obligation, mm-hmm. I think we're letting the citizens of Houston or the uh, Houstonians down. Yeah. Um,
1: Gosh, that's a good point.
2: Yeah, that's really good. And so right to right. me, it's like, you know, when that bill was defeated – Um, it may have still been defeated, even with the advocacy, Mm -hmm. but that does not mean you don't try. Yeah, Yeah. And that does not mean you don't go. And again, I view this as an opportunity to get young folks involved Mm -hmm. who are passionate about this issue, even if they're not passionate about politics. Yeah, Because they don't think of it as a political issue. They think of it as a no-brainer issue. Of course we don't want dogs chained. Yeah. Of course we don't want dogs without shelter, clean water, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, just like we wouldn't want a human being without clean water and exactly. shelter and so on. And so I think, again, this is an opportunity to engage the community civically. And I think, again, a missed opportunity for us is we want to engage people only in the election year.
1: Yeah, it's not the truth.
2: But we got to engage throughout the process. And one of the ways is, you know, the Folks who are passionate about potholes may not be passionate about animals. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Engage them on potholes. Yeah. And folks who are passionate about animal, engage them on animal issues, um, even if they're not political. Yeah. And so I think that's again a missed opportunity. I have a animal advisory board. Yes. Like. Yeah. Exactly. 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 Uh, and you know that's again something that I've in a lot of the questionnaires have said. You know I want to establish these advisory groups for me mm-hmm. once I'm there because I think. A, it helps you stay connected to the community, and B, it gets people who are really knowledgeable into the process uh, to provide insight. Um, You know, the city has like 400 boards and commissions, which is great, but a lot of that is advising the mayor. Yeah. But we need some of these groups advising the council members, Mm -hmm. and so I think it's incumbent upon council members to, um, you know, create these on their own and i should have looked this up before i came on but i don't know if we have a committee on animal issues oh,
1: well we we have so we just found this it's funny yeah. we just found this out on friday night while we were sitting down with somebody that i don't want to call her out but she was like oh i just met somebody that's on the animal advisory board and it's mm-hmm. someone none of us know and we go
0: nobody
1: oh wait Oh, so she's not in the rescue community. Oh, she has like a dog, and so you will point. (laughs) She has a dog that she probably brought from that that feed store. Yeah, I mean, so there's something along those lines, but there's not a single person that is on the ground floor in rescue that is.
2: Well, and what I'm even talking about is, you know, we have the budget and fiscal affairs committee for the city council Mm -hmm, members, mm -hmm. and we have the transportation committee and economic opportunity committee. I don't think there's an animal subcommittee. Or a committee. And I think that's one thing we could do. I mean, this mayor, for example, one thing I liked was he created the education subcommittee yeah. to get a little more focused with councilmen. Um, but we don't have one for animals. Mm-hmm. So that could be an opportunity to have a group that is going to meet regularly that is bringing these issues to the surface. Yeah. Um, so that's something. I don't know the process to create a new committee, but something that I'd be committed to looking at and then being a champion on.
1: That'd be so Yeah, great. that'd be amazing. Because I am so tired of going down and talking to glass eyed <laughs> <Yeah>. everybody. <laughs> well,
2: the other thing we got to do is we got to get that public comment period later in the evening on the weekends. When go people to can folks go. who can actually get oh, exactly. exactly. Yeah. When
1: people exactly. can go, because everybody that goes and speaks has to be able to take off a whole right. day, which I'm blessed to be able to have. That, that yeah. in and it of itself is privilege.
2: Right? To yeah. be able
1: to take off a day of work. Yeah.
2: I, mean, I mean, one of the things that I've seen is sometimes when know. there's a hearing. the state legislature they will go to the city where it would make sense so for example they they held Mm -hmm. hurricane harvey relief hearings in houston Mm -hmm. that made sense so why not have some of our council public comment hearings in the community centers in fifth ward Mm -hmm. in third ward in magnolia park in sunnyside in acres home and so on and so on because we can't just have people we got to go meet folks where they are exactly Um, and we're not doing that yeah
1: Yeah. people that don't have transportation right don't have a voice half the time it seems
2: and you know i think some people have been critical for example of county judge hidalgo's sort of really extending the meetings for the county and going hours that's good yeah we want engagement i was there till
1: seven o'clock at night i was like This is great. I've never seen so many people.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And so if, I mean, look, if someone is going to talk to you for three minutes and they need a fourth minute, give them the fourth minute. Mm -hmm. Don't cut them off at three. It's not the end of the world. And we've seen that all the time. And we're missing that. And so there's this sense of, like, let's, if people want to be engaged, like, we should be
1: clapping, not, like, you
2: know, pushing them away. It takes a lot just to go to see. It does. It does. It does. It does. It, um, absolutely. So those are some some other thoughts of it. That. That's
0: yeah, that's great. Great. So within that large position, mm-hmm. one of the things we can definitely well we'd like to see is there's a, there's a disconnect within the zip codes and the jurisdictions with bark and
2: the Harris oh, County. Oh yeah, that's
1: a great point. Yeah. So right around, for instance, right around the Harris County Animal Shelter, um, which is
2: located in what part of town? It's Sorry.
1: Canino Road, um, up between Hardy Toll Road and Forty Five. Got it. Okay. Yep. Like. Yeah.
2: District B. Yep. District B. Yep.
1: It um so. The area right around Harris County Animal Shelter is actually Bark jurisdiction. Okay. So Harris County Animal Shelter ACOs cannot leave their own shelter. If they see a dog across the street, they get a volunteer to go get it.
2: But is it – so that's interesting because we need more county-city collaboration, that was suggest. Uh-huh. But sorry, you exactly. probably had more to say. No, 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 that's exactly it. it. Yeah. So, I mean, again, this is something that um, pervades several areas in the city of Houston where we Animals have – Animals or elsewhere. Duplicative. Where we, right, exactly. And, again, the broader point should be where we can consolidate. Mm-hmm. Let's do it to streamline and save resources. We did it with a joint processing center for the jails. We have a joint processing yes. center, city-county jail. We could imagine having more joint services here Mm -hmm. um, because you're right. I mean, again, it's like, you know, it's not as – it's a different issue in in sort of like public safety where we have like 10 law enforcement agencies, county, um, constable, sheriff, Mm HPD, metro, et cetera, et cetera. But again, here it's let's get everybody rowing the same way. Yeah. Um, And it doesn't make sense – a we shouldn't have these vast differences across the city and i'm sure we can talk about that how each yeah. district is different elected to that but mm-hmm. but the broader point is you know if the county and city can do more together that's a win yeah um i
1: think the thing is is that like so harris county animal shelter gets about a third of the funding bark does okay um they take in comparable number of animals okay um but the live release rate is it's still comparable, even though there's a third the amount of funding. And, you know, again, with the ACOs, Harris County has way less animal control officers, but they're still picking up this, a similar number of animals. So last year, what was it, the stat? I think it's um, it's 70% of, um, only 30% First, yeah. of animals that came into bark in the entire year were picked up by animal control. 30%, total number.
2: So the other 70% were brought in.
1: Brought in by citizens. Now, some of that is owner surrenders so people that can't keep their pet but the majority of it 65% last year was um strays. So
2: So like someone goes picks up an animal and drives it over.
1: Yeah, so doing the job of animal control for yeah. free. Okay. Um but what's interesting and this is what I was at city hall ranting and raving about was that bark keeps cutting off days and making it just like we're talking about the accessibility of being able to speak at city hall. Bark is cutting off days of intake to where, and hours of intake to where people who have jobs cannot help a stray animal. So I think the numbers now are from noon to 4 p.m. that you can surrender an animal. That's yes, yes, not going to be... That doesn't make any sense. And so, like, so, for instance, the other night we're at this gas station. Okay. And we were there to try to find one dog. Well, we did not find that dog. We did find three cats and two dogs. Now... I already have five dogs at my house, which is over the legal limit, but only two are mine, so it's fine. Nobody report me to the fertility task force. Rob will hear about it. Um, but I only had room for, and I could only grab one cat and one dog. But if there was a plate, like if I could have done the job of an animal control officer and picked up all these dogs, I would have happily done it. But there's nowhere for me to take them. Is
2: Bar so so? Is the um, are they required to take any? animal that's brought in. So
1: they're open intake. So the city and the county shelters are both open intake, which means that they have to take all animals that are brought to them. But what's happening, and this happened about a year ago, and this was the... So I went and spoke, and there was a time where the week before, three animal people went and spoke. And what we were speaking about is they are doing a thing called deferred intake. And what deferred intake is, is someone finds an animal on the side of the road. They go take that animal to bark to try to turn it in. And instead of being allowed to surrender that animal, they the shelter vaccinates the animal and then requires the people to take that animal home for one week and then bring it back. Which is great in theory and, and it would be fine if we're talking about owner surrenders. So if it's your pet and your yeah. pet's not up to date on vaccines and you are asked to keep your personal pet for one more week, that's it's not fine. an issue. And it'd be
0: fine to get the general public involved as well to do that. Okay. But when...
1: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. the thing is, is, so they're asking the a random person that knows nothing about this dog that may or may not live in an apartment complex, right, may yeah, li- sure. already have 10 other pets. Yeah. And they were not letting for the longest time not letting people help the city pick up animals and making it to where they were like being demonized these people are trying to help and they're like no you have to take this animal home for one week and allow the vaccines and and it's again it's great if someone has the resources and it's okay to ask someone if they can do this but it was yeah you
2: can't require
1: you can't require so they're both open intake but they're open intake and then they're doing this deferred intake policy and i don't know how affected I haven't heard of it happening recently, but that was happening for the longest time.
2: And so do we need more shelter space?
1: You can't... Yes and no. Okay. Yeah. So Harris County has, once again, going back to the differences, Harris County in each kennel has about five to six dogs per kennel. Is it ideal? No. But... With, they only have the capacity to hold 250 animals comfortably. They have about 500 at all times.
2: So we need to double the amount of space.
1: Well, we need to double the amount of space, but you can't warehouse your, prop, your, your way out of this. We, okay, got we it. can make more space, and it's just going to fill up, and we're just yes. going to have more animals sitting got there it. for a long amount of time. Okay. Until we cut off the number of animals coming in from spay and we neuter. Spay and
2: neuter, yeah.
1: Until we cut off the number of animals coming in and we return the return to owner. So an animal comes in, and this is how microchipping comes in.
2: Because then you can.
1: If an animal's owned, they immediately yep. go back to... And, and here's another piece that we haven't talked about before is if the animal control officers are out in the field and they scan a dog okay. and that has a microchip, that animal control officer should be able to call that owner right then and there and the animal never even goes to the shelter. They go, okay, I'm on the phone with this owner. I'm going to bring the dog to the house. Then that animal never goes into the shelter population.
2: Do Do, do some dogs, for example, already have the microchip because... Yes the owners have chosen yeah mm-hmm. okay got it
1: they do a, a lot of people though don't know what microchipping is yeah or they think it's like a tracking device and then they don't
0: get it registered which is
2: pointless right? yeah <laughs> yeah you gotta yeah right yeah. you gotta get it
1: well now so if you adopt a dog from barker harris county they are now automatically yeah. registering the microchips which is what should be happening mm-hmm. across the board and it takes 10 to 15 minutes to register a microchip i mean i think that that's that's the common sense thing but i mean if you you know change ownership like if somebody you know you get a dog and then Mm -hmm. they change owners you've got to change it or if you move or change a phone number but um, I I feel like making a bigger shelter is great and Harris County Animal Shelter does need a bigger space because they have none whatsoever I think I actually said 250 it's 150 is their max capacity and Um, they're at
2: like something way above that right now they're at
1: like 400 to 500 at any given time and it's not ideal right but but the live outcome really uh, report is how many animals are getting out alive is similar to bark it's a similar percent right Building a bigger shelter is great in theory. It's not the solution. Right. So it, it's not at all. Do
2: we know if we invest X amount of dollars, we can bend the curve and spay and neuter enough to where we <sighs> what can are the like numbers? do we have a sense of what magnitude we're talking about here? I think of that investment? they've
1: said that it needs to be three to four times what we're yeah. doing right now.
2: Got it. To make That's a,
1: okay. a debt, but the thing is is that we are spending so much money. On sending these escorting. animals out of state yeah and i am the biggest i've been trying to save dogs that are on the euthanasia list from shelters since i got involved in rescue and so when and people have criticized me for this before and said you know oh you don't care if more animals die i promise i do care right. but if we're talking about getting animals out alive in right. the short term versus investing that yep. money in spay and neuter which will in the long term save so so many more right we need to be focusing on, stop sending every single dog that we get and cat we get out so of state. So we're now
0: RPM right. sending about
2: 80% of the dogs that go into bark.
1: Right. So April, so. 80% right. of the animals that went into bark left with RPM.
2: And, and, 80% And so like RPM is the company that does this? Con. Yeah, Rescue pest Movement. So rescue they it.
0: transport, but the miscommunication
2: is what happens then?
1: So there's not really a follow-up. There's not a transparency. And the city's giving so much money to rescue pet movement. which And they're great. I've fostered mm-hmm. for RPM. I love RPM. I transport dogs to them, like, from the shelters to them all the time. We're not at all in any way Bashing saying RPM's bad. Right. But if we're sending 80% of our shelter population to RPM, there needs to be – which rescues did they go to? Did they, they get adopted from those rescues? Are they still sitting in
0: the shelters? Right. You know? Are they just right. sitting
1: in shelters in Colorado? Mm-hmm. Did, how many of these dogs you know, ended up having behavioral issues? And we're euthanized in Colorado, because that happens. I mean, and it's nothing wrong with that. And Greg Travis, we did a talk with him, and he was already looking into this. And we really appreciated he was that
0: he knew so much. Yeah, he was ahead
1: of the ball. But, I mean, again, we will say it again and again. The solution is spay and neuter. Right. We need to focus on all these other things. But, you know, the city in the past three years has cut funding for the spay and neuter program to focus on adoptions. For three months out of the year, they completely cut the funding. And then they go adopt all these dogs out while making the problem bigger.
2: So I feel like and this is naive, but like I bet if we had a citywide campaign and we said this is the amount of money we need, mm-hmm. it's not gonna go to BARC to do this. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go to nonprofits or whatever that's already doing this work at a high level like the organization Which, you talked about yeah, did five hundred or empty the shelter. Yeah, empty the shelter. That would be um, amazing. I think we can raise I mean we we should be able to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean this yeah. should be a solvable um, issue.
1: It is. Because yeah. we really know the is.
2: solution. And if the limiting factor is just city does not have enough resources, well, then let's go to every business. Mm-hmm. Let's go to every philanthropic organization. Yeah. Let's go to individuals who have the ability to contribute high amounts of money. Let's go to individuals who have the ability to contribute a yeah. dollar. And let's start yeah. a campaign to say we want to get to a point where we have spayed and neutered blank percent, I know, mm-hmm. whatever the percentage yeah. is that we want to get to as a city.
0: And in return, the great thing that you can do is – uh, have those businesses um promote you know the shelters yes you know. yeah
1: that 's a good point too yeah. and they can be promoted also right. i mean it, it's a you're it's so common sense it's a, thinking everything. it's yeah yeah
2: i mean and and again, I think this is a situation where there there are enough people who recognize that this is an issue mm-hmm. and there are enough people who care deeply about pets that we could get this movement started, yeah. Um I think it will just take a few champions who are on council yep. and the mayor and so I'm would love to be one of those champions um and work with other folks on council to get this done because this seems like something where you know we've set a vision of eliminating all pedestrian and bike deaths vision 0 mm-hmm. that's great we should you know we've set a vision with the climate action plan of saying by 2050 no no net carbon emissions mm-hmm. great let's set a vision on spaying and neutering that's great boom here's the vision whatever the goal is we want to make the goal 100 whatever great let's Mm -hmm. do it and if we set that as the goal and if we all galvanize around it then we become singularly focused yeah yeah that's it that'd be great and then since
0: we're speaking on pets, I mean, uh, this is animal welfare, right? So right. we always like to bring up that there's other uh, yes. animals and everything else like that, right? <laughs> so one of the ones uh, we've been talking about is the horse carriages in front of a downtown okay. aquarium. aquarium.
2: Oh, yeah. So I've seen these. So can you explain a little more about the... Yeah,
0: so th- they're working horses, right? So they're okay. up there for eight hours a day or so. Right. giving heat. Yeah, no food. Well, the water that they're getting right now is from... Uh, a fountain it's filled with chlorine, or the chlorine time. they
1: get it out of the, the like literally, bucket.
0: Yeah, oh
1: boy. And here's what, here's the best part is that we, they were asked, why do you not have fresh water on? This know, is
2: like a private company's doing this. I'm assuming the carriages.
1: It's contract labor through yeah. they're contracted through. Okay. Um, I don't know if I should say. <laughs>
0: okay, through a, yeah, through some but yeah
1: well, we we've been unsuccessful we've got suspicions we okay. we don't know 100% for sure yeah. no one will tell us for sure um, who it is but they get the water from the aquarium okay. this also happens at Kima Boardwalk and in parts of Galveston
0: and Discover Green
1: mhm so but what what's happening though is they are saying they don't have it's too heavy for the horses to have fresh water on the carriages okay but they have a generator that weighs 40 pounds to make everything light up and like a bubble machine that no weighs lights you know 20 pounds and it it, it, but they're already breaking city ordinances by not giving fresh water and these horses have sores on their legs and we've got evidence of all this but Mm -hmm. there's no enforcement uh, of the current ordinances and that goes to you know they've been allowed to do it for so long but my question is is who is contracting these people that is allowing I mean why don't we just go to that
2: so, so, right now, what you're saying, and I've, I've seen this, so I haven't mm-hmm. s- studied as much, is someone is contracting to have horse carriages going down downtown. Yeah. Right. And we don't know right now definitively who that is. So, Correct. step one is
0: figure out, figure out who it is. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm assuming there should be some registry. Can't just show up. You would with, think. I mean, that's would, where we need the city's help. Yeah,
1: and and we're, we they there was a group that went and spoke at City Hall about it. And Recently. Um, Greg Travis once again, we always talking yeah. about Greg Travis, but he said he was going to look into it. So we're hoping to hear back from that. But you're right. Who's contracting these people? Let,
2: yeah, let's get to who's contracting. Let's get to enforcing the ordinances as they're written. Mm-hmm. This is again, again, I'm seeing a lot of issues here that are citywide issues, yeah. number one. They're not just animal welfare issues. I mean, I have folks who I've met who said, why don't we enforce ordinances on illegal dumping? Mm-hmm. Or th- why don't we enforce ordinances on building codes? Yeah. It's the same thing where we have to make the investment to say, hey, we're gonna prioritize this and we're gonna enforce it. Um, and then number three, if we're doing things that we know is going to hurt seriously animals. We need to say, does this make sense? Mm-hmm, I mean, if yeah. folks knew this, I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people probably don't know yeah. no. that the horses yeah. are drinking water with chlorine that you would never give to any other right. member of your family, yeah. animal, or I mean, obviously, like we are two animals, but like people or dog or cat, yeah. whatever companion, yeah. um, com- yes, companion. We should not be doing that for the for the horses either. Didn't make
1: any sense. Yeah. yeah.
2: Absolutely. Um, And I'm actually, just one thing that's interesting to me is I was listening to a podcast with Julian Castro. Mm -hmm. I think he's one of the, perhaps the only presidential candidate who has an animal welfare plan Mm -hmm. um, out. And he made this point, which I thought was really good, which is he said, everybody, when you talk about animals, people get fired up. Yeah. Yeah. Because nobody wants to see an animal suffering. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe... No, let me rephrase. Some people probably <laughs> yeah. do, and those people, like...
1: They probably don't vote, though. They will.
2: Cool. <laughs> and if they vote, please vote against... I mean, vote against me. Fine. I'll lose those votes. I'm okay with it. Uh, um, but, but, yeah, I mean, I just think that, like... It's, it's just... It feels like we are not talking about this enough at mm-hmm. the city level. Obviously, individual Houstonians are. Um, but... And the number of people who have a pet or who love animals or who are interested in this issue, I bet is higher than the number of people who care about a lot of other issues yeah. that we prioritize because um, the 15 year old who believes mm-hmm. in her heart that no dog should suffer, yeah. she is not eligible to vote. And so we don't prioritize this issue. But that's wrong Yeah, because her opinion is equally important to other Houstonians opinions on other issues and if we truly would listen to folks mm-hmm. um, and we truly ask people just to stop and think does this resonate and make sense with you the way we're currently doing it or does this conversation the conversations you've had make sense to you I think people are gonna I think the answer is clear mm-hmm. yeah you're
0: right I mean it all starts at education right and would be great to have is a animal welfare education classes you know
1: Oh, we talked about, yeah, in schools, yeah. like, okay. how do we, so in a lot of communities, it's like, uh, kind of a trickle-down effect where it's like, oh, this is just the way that animals have always been treated, it's all that I've ever seen in my whole yeah, life is yeah. an animal outside on a chain. Yeah. There's a disconnect between just, uh, you know, getting to the root of the issue, because mm. you can go in and you can make laws, but to really change the mindset right. of a community. And we feel yeah. like going to the kids... Yep. Is in a lot of ways the source of you know, and not yeah. only are you helping the future generations, but you're also they're going to go home and tell their yep. parents, yeah, tell correct. their grandparents of, hey, this is not the right way to treat mm-hmm. an animal.
2: And again, this fits in nicely with this goal of having more after school programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why can't we imagine these classes happening at libraries <clears throat> and community centers? Yeah. After school, get the nonprofits to come get out volunteers. Yeah. Yeah. Come yeah. out and teach, right? Get the Get the private sector to provide dinner for kids. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you have a partnership. Doesn't cost the city any money. Mm-hmm. Moves the ball down the field. On animal welfare gets Houstonians off the sidelines and into the process. Engage the private sector in a way that they're happy to be part of the process.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And in the end, do right by Houstonians and by animals.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: Thanks. That's great points.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, we talked about it earlier. Somebody was like, "Why don't we just have kids go like walk dogs at shelters?" Yeah. Like. That could be, I mean, I just, I feel like there's so many different possibilities when right. we just start sitting yeah. down and having these conversations, you yeah,
2: know, uh, and have field trips to the city. Agreed. Be, you know?
1: Oh yeah. We've talked about like that yeah. idea.
2: Right. Agreed. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, we should have every elected official go on oh. like a visit to different that is a locations great idea. Yeah. Right? An and go to the different really shelters too. and go to the shelters, go see what is actually happening because I mean I've seen some of these images and they are gut-wrenching.
1: Yeah. And you, you don't realize it's happening like on streets you drive by.
2: Right.
0: See, w- one of the great things that happened in the beginning of the election period was uh, Tony Busby went out with us and we were in Fifth Ward with Houston Hust for months. There and we, were no cameras. No nobody cameras. even
1: recording. Just
0: me. <laughs> 100 degrees. 100, <laughs> 100 degrees outside, I swear. So hot and uh, we came across a house that we were dropping off food to and it was uh, stacked cages of dogs, little dogs, not even pit bulls or anything, like little uh, Yorkie-almost-looking dogs. And he saw it firsthand. I think from there that spearheaded his momentum with mm-hmm. animal welfare, and I think if other people came out, it'd do the same. Mm-hmm. And it changes, yeah.
1: too, like when we talk about things like, it's you know. It's something you can see,
0: feel, you know. Yeah,
1: and like my initial response was, no, a, a chains dog should not exist. No chains. I mean, it just very black and white, and then, you know, I go and I go. Wow, I was so ignorant, you know, right. and I I feel like those, and I'm in animal rescue. It's right. there's no reason for you know, it, it it's still amazing though how black and white we.
0: Right. We yeah, you to these people; they themselves don't even have the resources to provide for themselves. You go
1: inside the home, and yeah. the, the home inside the home is not much better than. It's the colder condition. than
0: outside, or warmer than it,
2: you know. Yeah. So.
1: That's a great. I love that idea of having yeah, let's council go. members.
2: Yeah. We got to go see it. I mean, and, and 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 then people will. I mean, I've. I mean, I should you know walk the walk here and do it myself as well. But I just think that the point is like, if people see it directly, mm-hmm. it will change the mindset. Yeah,
1: it will, and make it a priority yeah. too. Make it a priority. Yeah, make yeah. it a priority.
2: Absolutely. Well, we
0: really appreciate you coming out to no, today. No, thanks
2: for giving me an opportunity. Yeah. And and you know, look, I'm I'm committed to this issue and and once on council, working as hard as I can to implement the ideas we talked about today. And and mm-hmm. I think that, you know, what's important now is that. You know, once we're there, we're holding everybody accountable mm-hmm. to say, hey, this is an issue that matters. It matters to all Houstonians, in whether it's because you see a stray dog outside and you're afraid to go out and walk, which mm-hmm. I know yeah. some folks are. Yeah. safety. I know in District I, in particular, <laughs> yeah. we've we yeah. talked about this. Um, or whether it's because you have a dog, or whether it's because you're in the animal rescue community, or whether it's just because... You believe there should be no harm done to any living being yeah. whatever it is i think this is an issue that we can get people behind and i'm excited to be part of the team to do that
1: we're excited to have you yeah. yes
2: thank you thank <laughs> you
1: and i love that you took notes too i did yeah, absolutely yeah. that's great absolutely. we will follow up with you
0: on it please the shelter
2: and everything please
1: yes
0: how can people get in touch with you if they want to
2: so you can um uh email me directly at raj raj at Raj R-A-J 4 F-O-R Houston dot com so Raj at Raj for Houston dot com or call me directly on my cell phone my personal cell number 713-320-0303 uh, it's the same cell number that I just texted Rob and Shelby <laughs> earlier today 713 uh, so if you have any questions please let us know